GM BM Happy New Year, you guys. Welcome to Vagabond Media's Good Morning BM GM. Cryptoversal Books sadly is not going to be joining us today because his mom's visiting. Um, but we do have a few of our friends here. Riona Morgan, good morning to you. How are you? Oh, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's so wonderful to hear your voice and to see the people joining us today. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for today. I've been looking forward to it for days and days. So good morning. Good morning. Well, the good news is it's today, so you don't have to wait for today. (laughs) We're here. Uh, E.R. Donaldson also joining us. E.R., how are you, sir? Good morning and good afternoon to those other East Coasters like myself. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing better now that I'm here. I can't wait to talk to you all. Thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, our friend Indefatigable is here. Uh, Indy, how are you? You got electricity yet? I know, I know. We're waiting on the next storm, but I'm, I couldn't be warmer hearing all of your voices. <laughs> Well, we are happy to warm you up, my friend. And I do see Edward Carpenter has joined us. I'm going to send him a co-host invite, and we'll get him up on the stage as well. So some changes going on, as you guys know. Like uh, We published the uh, latest issue of Vagabond Magazine. There will not be another one until uh, March 21st. We're going to do quarterly now, so it's not going to be the old... The old regime of nine issues a year. Instead, we'll be doing four issues a year. And there'll probably be some other changes. Changes to this space and to the Web3 Writers Hour space in that we're trying out, combining them, a half hour of each. uh, And we'll see how that goes. You know, we'll see how that goes. But Edward Carpenter, you're here. Good morning. Happy New Year. So happy you made it. How's it going? It's going great. Um, really, again, excited to be here. I'm coming off of, uh, I think, about a two-week um, social media fast, which has felt good, but it also feels good to be back. And hopefully got some some fun news to share. I've invited some people from the um, Arts and Poetry uh, DM group, and hopefully we'll see some of them show up uh, because I'll have some some big and relevant news for that project and just uh, you know writing in general um, when we get to that part of the show. Amazing. Cannot wait. I see our friends Authored Style and Odd Writings have joined us. We've also got uh, Bouyan Roni, who I don't know yet, but uh, but they like free mining. So here we are. <laughs> and, and we'll see what happened there. So um, I do want to open it up to you guys. Uh, Riona, let's start with you. What's new? What's going on? What's happening? What are you seeing in the world of digital you know, reality and digital citizenship? that is exciting you and, and making you want to share it. Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, I just feel like I, I wish that there was about 20 of me because there's so many amazing things going on. I just um, ran across a friend of ours who I'll see if I can find their tweet and put it up in the nest, but they are doing a web three poetry like roundup. And, and it's kind of a, um, article, a magazine that they're putting together on chain that talks all about poetry. And so that was exciting for me. There's so many amazing things, so many amazing things. I can't even say enough about it going on over at page Dow. And 
I, of course I'm always writing something. And, and so I just, I feel like, you know, I wish I was an octopus that there was one arm that could just type, type, type and the other arm that could just network, 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 and the, all of this other stuff. And so it's just, there's so many things, so many things going on that, that it's just, it's, <laughs> it's so, uh, it's almost overwhelming how exciting it all seems. And, and I really feel like this new year that there's just this beautiful feeling of everybody's taking a deep breath so that we can get ready and get to work. And so I'm super excited about that. Beautiful. Always so nice to hear your energy and enthusiasm. And yeah, like I totally agree. Like, you know, it's funny. I'm part of a a neurodivergent group called the octopus movement. Um, and so when you mentioned the octopus, I was like imagining them and I've got a tattoo of an octopus too, but um, yeah, I was imagining like those guys, they hate web three though. They hate crypto. They hate NFTs. Uh, they, they hate that whole reality. Um, they hate religion. They hate everything, but they, they like, a, they actually, I, that's funny, but they like a bunch of stuff. George odd writings is here. What do you love, sir? And happy new year to you. Oh, happy new year to, to you and everybody. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy that uh, my webcam is now working again, which is kind of cool, uh, though I don't actually use it here uh, on Twitter. But uh, the other thing I'm excited about uh, is Frame. There, it's an L2 that I'm sure many of you have heard about where they're working on it and they're uh, uh, L2 on Ethereum and, and they're, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take artist royalties and, and, and include that like as part of the part of the contract in such a way that you can't get away from it. You know, it's like the, 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 the artist will get their royalties on frame. And I was, I've made a few NFTs on layer R, which was a very early adopter uh, or implementer, I guess, of, of base, of the, of the base layer two. And so I, I got on their discord and I sent them a little thing about frame. And I said, oh man, it would be great if we could do, uh, you know, frame NFTs using layer R. And they say, yeah, we've actually uh, were in close contact with uh, the developers there, and uh, so they're and they will be supporting it. So they will be in an early outlet to do uh, frame NFTs. So that's that's top of my mind. But uh, I've also been kind of out of it for the last uh, couple of days, so I don't know if there's any big news on the horizon. I actually don't know either. Er Donaldson, what do you got? Any big news on the horizon with you? <laughs> You know, I'm trying to stay out of the news with uh, with Web3. I mean, right now at the top of everybody's mind is the spot BT, uh, uh, Bitcoin ETF. And I guess there's supposed to be some news out today. And then there's always, you know, uh, apparently there's been a nice spot, you know, spike in the market, expecting things to go well. But um, I, t I tend to live life as a little bit of a pessimist, as just not to be disappointed um, but I think that if this goes through, this could mean some great things for Web3 because, I mean, I think recognizing uh, all of the assets on blockchain as actual financial assets will do a lot to not only clean up the uh, regulatory medi medium, but also to encourage further investments, which I think is going to be necessary towards advancing uh, NFT projects and other Web3 projects. So, um well, waiting with bated breath, but, uh, you know, at holding my breath at the same time. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people, I mean, my big concern there is it really seems to be priced in as a, yes, this is going to happen right now. And um, I'm not so convinced. The SEC, uh, they've surprised us before. Um, so 
indefatigable. What about you, man? You got anything uh, that you're watching, anything you're excited about, anything that's been uh, sort of popping on your radar? I know you got your hands in so many different slices of pie. That's a total mixed metaphor, by the way. Um, that uh, <laughs> you've got your hands in a bunch of slices of pie. That's a that's a good mixed metaphor. So tell us about those slices and tell us about your hands. The pie is tasty, number one, which is like the most important factor. I've been for the last, I guess, couple of weeks just knee deep in page Dow stuff. We're trying to build this crazy public good thing where like any author can come on and do things that are very difficult to do by yourself. And so like preventing writers from having to reinvent the wheel every time they want to like spin up a new contract and then on what chain and then hold what wallet and then how do people buy it? And so we're really trying to simplify that stuff under the hood. We've got some crazy innovative like widgets and blocks that we're squishing together. Um, and like the the goal is to have something as seamless and beautiful as a Web2 experience and as shareable, broad and decentralized as like your Web3 expectations. So stay tuned. Um, really cool partnerships and, and really cool tech stuff uh, that will be more invisible than ever. Uh, that's the goal. Um, <laughs> right now, though, it's like um, I'm trying positive self-talk when dealing with um, software problems that I don't have answers to. And uh, I don't know why this is relevant, but someone said to me yesterday in a call that your computer is alive. Everything is alive. And I was like, oh, that changes everything. I don't know. I'm just going to leave you with that, gem. That's how the pie tastes. Everything is alive, even the pie. Dude, that kind of makes me not want to eat pie. You know, one time I went to a uh, a famous sushi restaurant here in Honolulu. I had a girlfriend who took me there. She was like, this is going to be the best experience. And we went there and the sushi chef actually killed a lobster. No, he didn't kill it. He actually like slaughtered a lobster in front of us and fed us parts of it while it was still alive. So the computer's alive. Kind of, I don't know, for some reason that hurts. Um yeah, I ate it. It was expensive. It was delicious, but it was, uh, fuck, I never want to do that again. Eating a living thing while it's still alive. No, thank you. All right. So that's the weird tangent that I just went on. So what we're thinking, you guys, with the combining of VMGM and the Web3 Writers Hour is that the first half will be sort of looking at the broader scope of Web3, looking at, you know, what's going on with crypto, with NFTs, with markets, um, with digital citizenship in general. Um, not not necessarily just connected to blockchain stuff, but digital citizenship. And then in the second half, we'll dive into the part that, that we're all really focused on, which is <laughs> the Web3 writing part. So we'll dive into that in the second half. And I think that we're probably going to be crunched for time on that part. Um, so if, if nobody has any sort of like, um, well, let me take a step back from there. So there's a couple things that I'm seeing out there that are kind of exciting. One is the uh, Ready Player One metaverse, which apparently has been launched or begun. Have you guys seen any of that news? Has anybody got any thoughts on that or have you seen it? Absolutely not. I need to hear more about it. Tell us, CD. Well, my hope was that you guys were going to know more about it than I did. But apparently um, it's a big film studio who, you know, which is that's a, that's always a flag in the Web3 space. 
but it's a big film studio that is going to be or has launched an actual metaverse based on the Ready Player One. They've, they've signed agreements with the author, and I don't know. That's that's kind of all I know. So I was hoping maybe you guys knew a little bit more about that so that I, I wouldn't have to, you know, read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actively Googling because, like, you know, Ready Player One may seem dystopian to some other people, but as an avid gamer, like, I would love for a product like that to come onto the market. Like, I don't know, I've been uh, just over the holidays looking for something that I could play with my kids. Uh, the latest Pokemon game uh, launched a expansion I'm going through, and I was just like, you know... This kind of thing would be perfect for blockchain where you you have these assets that you can catch in the wild and then then trade. And it, it's more than just digital randomness that's owned by one company. And, and as we've seen, actually, with the Pokemon company, where they can shut down different venues and limit, you know, where you can put different assets, having having those assets forever on some kind of blockchain, you know, gaming sequence, you know, I would I would love to see what you could do with those, especially when you look at like cross-platform games, like uh, Super Smash Brothers was another one that I played with my kids a lot over the holidays. And it's like you you unlock all these characters, and you know you you pay your money. But um, you know, what if you could see some cross-game integration? So you know, an idea of a Ready Player One kind of universe in in Web three. I'm all about that. Okay, so the big question is, as you're Googling, are you seeing anything about it? <laughs> no, I was too busy talking to Google. But we'll put a pin in that for next week. <laughs> so, so you and me are on the same page. But Edward Carpenter has his hand up. Edward, please. Yeah, this is um, you know, one of those drums that I like to beat occasionally is uh, just to be the voice of doom and gloom and, and remind folks that uh, anything that is on the blockchain, but is that chain or that bit of the web three is is managed by an organization um, is potentially you know a little bit less secure than they might think. So my example is from the reading world, the literature world today, um, and that is sadly Riedel. Um, I'm not sure if anybody else knows more about what's going on with that project, but uh, it was one that I was involved with from the very beginning. Uh, a great organization did some some really great things, which is why I used them as a platform um, to release some short fiction and uh, the first edition of the Arts and Poetry, you know, Volume One, uh, the Polygon version. There's a Tezos version as well, um, and I'm happy for that because it looks like the Riedel project has kind of gone into stasis, and what that means for the Riedel NFTs is that they um, don't appear to be uh, completely viable now. Um, there have been a couple that I've been able to access uh, sort of sporadically, um, but it looks like there's a lot of difficulty uh, certainly selling anything that you've created um, or even potentially accessing some of the um, the art that you might have bought um, through that channel. So uh, again, that's why I kind of like you know an open platform like Tezos or, or OpenSea perhaps which are not um, invulnerable to that same sort of thing, but maybe a little bit more resilient. So just a thought um, and curious to see what other people might have to say. 
Okay. All right. So I, I've completed my uh, my googling here, and I, I'm I'm going to take a counter approach here. Um, you know, when it comes to Web three, you know, I've been looking into this like this world for like the past. Eh, let's go three four years, and I was actually late to the game. And and you're and really when you're looking for a a project to stand out for some independent developer to change the scale. I mean, I think you can look at like Yuga Labs, you know, that's had in a a incredibly successful portfolio. But even then, there has not been this ability to breach the mainstream. So I looked up the Ready Ready Player One thing, and I think they are calling it the Readyverse. And the important thing about this is that it's backed by Warner Brothers. So I would argue that the biggest problem Web3 has is mainstream mainstream adoption. But when you take a greater organization, you know, corporation like Warner Brothers, who has a lot of IP, who's done a couple things with like the, uh, you know, Matrix Revolution, um, Wait, 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 that's a terrible example. You know what happened with that, right? The, the yeah, no, I, I know, I know what, yeah, I know what happened as soon as it, <laughs> and I, and I even, I even, I even, like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, one, that's the wrong title, one, that's a bad thing. But, like, they're experimenting with Web3, you know? And that's the thing is that we need more of these mainstream companies with the capital to make this user accessible because, after four or five years, I've yet to see a way that, you know, your average consumer can jump into this. Like we're, we're all kind of degens. We're all, we're all on some degree, to some degree techie, you know? Um, but I, I, I'm actually pretty excited, you know, just reading the, the brief blurbs I heard about the Readyverse. I think this could be the kind of thing that the metaverse needs right now. What do you guys think? I hope you're right, but I want to hear from Indy Fatigable because he's got his hand up. I'm not surprised about Riedel. Um It's one of my pet peeves as like a dev when projects bake their assets into their you know own websites and infrastructure versus having it be more on chain um and it it's uh it's hard to do that's the that's the thing and i think you know as more assets start disappearing because they're not pinned properly in decentralized storage and um i think I think we'll see best practices start to form. Unfortunately, we are at the, we're still at the edge. Um, I don't know what percentage of the global population is in Web3. It's like 1%, uh, but uh, I we, think it, we can't can do, be that, it can't be that high, dude. It's got to be like yeah. 0.1%. It's, it's low, right? Like, I, I think I think of us as larger than we are. Uh, but um, I think I think it's really remarkable one to think about salvage um what i'm trying to do is build an all books thing so even projects that go defunct as a public good we can make sure that it's available and kind of like the the internet archive and then two 
make sure that we're providing technology stacks that allow people to solve the hard problems. Yeah. But I, it makes me sad. I'm sorry for anyone who doesn't have access and maybe we should think about a salvage. So I, I just want to uh, riff on that and, and if Andy, but I just, uh, what is decentralized storage? Because I mean, I think that becomes kind of the problem, right? And that's where, you know, I'm the low tech, you know, corporate slave, pessimistic person that's like, no, we need these large organizations to store data, you know, to store data because ultimately, you know, where a lot of these NFTs are, you know, they're, they're references to something that's still stored on a Web2 platform. But you are way more advanced on the technology than I am. So I, I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit more on that topic. What does decentralized storage look like? All right. I'm going to time box myself. Uh, CD just yell at me after like a minute and a half i think 90 seconds all right boom wait i'm yelling at you right now sorry my timer was off oh yeah so essentially everything on the internet has to be hosted um from your websites to your google drive storage and the major cloud providers provide 98 percent of the world's storage that's Amazon's EC3s and Google's uh, main cloud storage solutions. What that means is like in the 90s and early 2000s, everybody ran their own local data centers, tried to hook up as reliable uh, internet connection as they possibly could, negotiated with the telecoms. Then we saw the cloud revolution. And what the cloud revolution meant is that people could run virtual servers anywhere in a data center anywhere. Data centers could be distributed and don't have to be owned by one provider. They could just lease out their equipment. And that revolutionized what we know as Web2 and made all these crazy things possible. Storage got much cheaper than it ever had been. The problem was is that we have these two centralized solutions. So one of the really cool things is uh, based on the P2P file sharing platforms, like I don't know if you remember Napster and BitTorrent, uh, they were like, we all have hard drives and we have hardware. We can, in a decentralized way, provide ourselves with our own data storage if we all share a bit of it. The way it's actually panned out in Web3, and I know I must be humming up to time, is that decentralized storage is actually still fairly centralized. So a project, most projects use interplanetary file system, which theoretically is um, redundant, but not by default. So you have to incentivize people to want to create copies of your work on their local nodes so that it stays alive as long as those nodes are up and pinning that stuff. In practice, most people pin with just one service like Pinata or some other thing. It's gotten better over the last year as some of those pins came unpinned. Um, and so decentralized storage is just basically an agreement among nodes to share this data. Um, Arweave and IPFS are the two main decentralized storage uh, platforms. Uh, and yeah. I guess that's the rub is that um, 
projects need to plan ahead for their decentralized storage solution for it to outlive them paying for the pinning service. And that's the tricky part. So, so promulgation is the is the answer. It's like it's like fitness for biology, right? You know, bio, biology me- measures species by fitness, which is the ability to carry on, carry on their genome. You know, the the answer decentralized storage is promulgation across servers. That sounds right, and I see a heart from Indy, so I'm going to say that is right. So, first thing I want to say is okay, Riedel. We loved you. We published with Riedel also, and we're, I'm, I'm sad to hear this is happening. But in fact, when we published the last issue of Vagabond Magazine, it became really clear that there were issues with Riedel. In fact, I don't think you can even read the issue that we published on there. And as far as the older issues, I'm not sure you can read those either. Second thing, decentralized storage. Uh, this is taking a little bit of a right turn, but... There was a group yesterday that announced that they had just taken uh, the Super NES uh, emulator. They've they've taken a Super NES emulator and they have published it on Bitcoin on Ordinals. So that to me would be the true decentralized storage would be actually publishing on Bitcoin. So I'll see if I can find the link after the show and share it with you guys. But essentially, like all of the games of Super Nintendo have been put on Bitcoin and anybody can go play them. And that is that is pretty freaking cool. Bitcoin ordinals seems to me to be like a new storage solution. You're actually putting things on Satoshis in that case. And those don't go away. It's not like Arweave. It's not like even IPFS. It's there forever. Odd writings, your hand's been up for a while. I've been talking for a minute. Go ahead. I'm just going to throw this out here. It, it'll sound uh, controversial, mildly. <laughs> but um, I wonder if we could learn something from viruses, how they replicate. Uh, computer viruses, I mean, as well as normal viruses. And uh, obviously, people would not like to have documents, you know, surreptitiously copying themselves across networks. But what if we had some kind of a protocol where we had a friendly virus, and this friendly virus would promise not to multiply more than 200 times? And then that would sort of just kind of spread out in the virus programs. The antivirus programs would have to detect those and say, okay, those guys are okay. Obviously, opening up the can of worms, but just a uh, an idea I thought I'd throw out there. So, uh, you know, as a hard science ma- major, uh, for those of you who don't know that I'm a doctor of pharmacy in my real life, uh, <laughs> that metaphor is horrifying. <laughs> so, But the, the only issue with that is that viruses promulgate, abs- you know, absent the consent of the host. I think what we need to do is we need to create a symbiosis kind of relationship with files in Web3. And I think that's why I'm really excited about these bigger corporations taking a stab at it, because what we've seen it already with the gaming industry, you know, especially in Steam and indie developers and 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 all of the wonderful things that have come out of those communities you know, finding symbiotic relationships where things can be uh, traded across platform and just aren't being promulgated willy-nilly against the, uh, you know, with or without the consent of the user. I, I, I think that's a better analogy. You know, I think just the fact that you use the term willy-nilly makes me question that. Um, <laughs> so, uh 
I'm just kidding, by the way. I'm just kidding. But willy-nilly is a, is a great term. I should start using that. Um, I, I, I could have used something more more dark and, and harbinger-ish. But, you know, it, it's just, you know, like, you don't want to do anything. Like, the thing about a virus is that it, it, it it's invasive on the host. And to do anything that is analogous to a virus is to the detriment of any technology or or system we put together. That makes a lot more sense to me. Um, Edward Carpenter, I'm going to let you take the last word for VMGM before we move into the Web3 Writers Hour. Go ahead. Yeah, just a quick thought on viruses. Uh, Still working my way through um, one of my favorite books of all time, Snow Crash. And just a reminder that there's a very good case made in that, that... um, Language is itself a virus, perhaps the original one, that um, thoughts spread virally through language. Um, So I think maybe if we expand the aperture about what um, it is, to, and even the phrase, to go viral, um, it's not necessarily the virus per se, but it's this idea, the fact that ideas, um, some ideas are viral. Sometimes for good, you know, fascism had its run in Europe, um, has its run elsewhere. Um, Other, many isms have been a bit of a, a virus in some ways, the ones that are successful. Um, and then there's good things that have uh, spread. You know, I, my wife is, uh, she's really um, into, you know, fixing the climate issue. And it, uh, um, they're celebrating these tiny wins at the UN and WTO and really not making much progress on what people claim is this huge intractable issue that is uh, nested in economics and the way we do our societies. Uh, but I pointed out to her that uh the institution of slavery uh, basically went from a worldwide phenomenon that had existed for um, pretty much since the dawn of civilization, um, ended in about a hundred year period, simply because the idea that people should not own people went viral. Um, and it wasn't because it was enforced from on high. It was kind of a, a startup weird ideas. It was um, combination of religion and moralism and Um, But it's quite possible to change something like that if an idea goes viral. The unfortunate thing is that the idea that we need to um, stop climate change has not yet uh, gone viral in the way that the idea that we had to stop slavery um, did. Wow. Uh, Okay. Sorry. Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Super awesome deep thoughts. So, that, you guys, that is the end. Uh, VMGM, Vagabond Media, good morning. We hope that you're happy, filled with joy, love, life, and everything else. Aloha.